Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> um, my name is John. I'm one of the members of the church here, and it's my privilege and responsibility to share uh, God's Word with us this morning. We're going through a sermon series on Genesis, as uh, regulars to the church will be aware. Uh, our pastor David has led the first couple of weeks in Genesis 1, and I'm going to be following on from verses 6 to 25 uh, today. Let me tell you a, a brief story about a young man who had real hearing problems. So as he was growing up, he had a, a number of other physical issues as well. Uh, his hearing was the most obvious issue that he had. And as he was growing up, he spent a lot of time with an individual tutor. And this tutor was brilliant with him. He encouraged him to be uh, outgoing. He taught him how to speak in a way so that people could hear. And he encouraged constant interaction with him. So as they were talking about something, uh, this young man would say, Wow, that's amazing. Isn't that great? That's ex exciting. Things like this coming out. He became a Christian and he decided to go to theological college. And it created quite a stir in the theology class when they were reading something about God. And this voice would shout out, Wow, that's amazing. And the rest of the class would be wondering what's going on here. Isn't that great? This is exciting. May God give us that spirit as we read Genesis chapter 1 this morning. I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 25. This is the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, 
seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the expanse of the sky, so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good to be continued next Sunday. The only thing that's surprising is that nobody during that reading said, Wow, that's amazing. Isn't this incredible? What a wonderful God we have. Amen. Here's the world that God has made in all its beauty and its majesty and its power and might. When I think about this, I think about these words. Two words in particular from that well-known hymn. I think it's the favorite, nation's favorite hymn just now, incidentally. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder. Sing it with me. 
O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand hath made, I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior called to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior called to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. That's Genesis 1. It's not a scientific textbook, although it makes scientific sense. It's a hymn of praise, a poem that exalts in God's creation. A song that helps us to enter into the joy that was there as this world was coming into existence. Genesis 1 isn't so much concerned about how. It's more concerned about who's behind it all. Why is it here? And it wants us to enter into relationship with this God who is the creator of the ends of the earth. Did you notice three words in particular, or three phrases in particular, that come out in Genesis chapter 1? Words that are repeated. And God said, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. And it's the, the German writer Helmut Thielicke who says that the word good actually carries within it the sense of beautiful, wonderful. And he actually talks about the brightness of the day as light is created. And he talks about it as hilarious brightness. I love that phrase, hilarious brightness. It's a little bit like the verse in the New Testament, God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful literally means hilarious. So when we have a special offering, we should be laughing all the way to the church. It's that idea. And Helmut Tillichus says this word, good. God saw that it was good. He was so pleased with what he'd done. He was rejoicing in it, exulting in it. And he wants us to join in that hymn of creation, that wonderful poem that celebrates what God has done. When God speaks, things happen. God said, God said, God said, and something happens. There's a wonderful illustration of that in the story of Jesus in Luke's Gospel. I think it's in chapter 7 or 8 where a centurion has a servant who's very sick, almost dying. And he hears about Jesus, and the centurion sends for Jesus and asks him to come 
and heal his servant. But while Jesus is on the way, he sends another message, and he says, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Speak the word, and my servant will be healed. Jesus was amazed. And he said, I tell you, I've not found faith like this in Israel. And when they went home, the centurion's servant was healed. Speak the word, and my servant will be healed. God spoke. God spoke. God spoke. Again and again in Genesis 1, God speaks and things happen. That's why when Jesus, God incarnate, came to earth, the Son of God, people would say, no one spoke like this man spoke. When God speaks, things happen. And it was so. It works out. It comes about. It's done. And God saw that it was good. Let me show you some pictures. I came across this wonderful website called Free Bible Images which means you can download stuff free of charge, and they've got tremendous resources on that. They exist on the basis of donations. So if you ever want to use anything like this, leave them a donation to encourage them and enable this to continue. Here are, here's a pictorial representation of Genesis chapter 1 as the, the waters are gathered, and then uh, they're divided with the expanse of sky. And then land emerges as the sea goes back. And then grass and flowers and trees bearing seed are created. And then God puts the sun and moon and stars in the sky. Um, I was reading in one commentary a detail about the stars, which I found was quite fascinating. Uh, there are 100,000 light years across our own galaxy. There are 2 million light years to the Andromeda galaxy, one of our near galactic neighbors, which means that what we now observe in Andromeda is as it was 2 million years ago. There are apparently something like 100 billion other galaxies moving apart in the sort of way that we would expect if they'd come from something that happened many years ago. 100 billion galaxies. God put the stars in the sky, says Genesis. And the prophet Isaiah says, he calls them all by name. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hopefully that will improve this. Hopefully that will be amazing too. Thank you. It's fantastic. God put the stars in the sky. And they're only lamps. That's the wonderful thing about it. The sun and the moon are lamps. Remember when this was being written, Moses, who compiled the first five books of the Old Testament, was living at a time when many people followed the stars. Can you imagine that? People follow the stars and interpret what they should do according to the stars. Isn't that daft? Yeah. It's hilarious. And how many people today read their horoscopes and they look at lamps and say, all oh, these lamps must guide my life. What nonsense. 
What they need is to know the Creator who made the lamps and hung them there in the sky, put them there for us. What wonderful images in creation. And that's not the end of it. There's the sea with all the wonderful creatures that live in the sea, the great creatures, including the one that Jonah was to encounter in his time. And then come the birds of the air. And some of you are, are probably keen bird watchers. Uh, John Stott, the late John Stott, who was well known for his writings, once said, it's one of the few hobbies that's commanded in the Bible because Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. <laughs> so look at them and learn from them. And then come the livestock and the kind of more domesticated animals and then the wildlife, the wild animals. Here's a poem that I came across some years ago from Steve Turner. And I need you to help me with this poem. Um, will you help me? The answer is yes, John. <laughs> so will you help me? Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, for those at the side, I'll need to stand a little bit back for this. Because what I'm going to do is when I hold up a word like that, you all shout it out. Okay, it's dead easy. Here's your trial. Wow. Right. Here's the poem. God said, wow. and the earth spun round. God said, wow. and the light beamed down. God said, wow. and the sea rolled back. God said, wow. and the sky turned black. God said, and the shoot pushed through. God said, Bin. and the first fish grew. God said, <laughs> he didn't have this problem in creation. God said, Bin. and the big bird soared. God said, Bin. and the jungle roared. God said, Bin. and the man breathed air. God said, and the girl stood there. Sorry, this one's got stuck. Here we go. God said, and the world was great. God said, and they all slept late. <laughs> Let me read it to you once more. God said, world, and the earth spun round. God said, light, and the light beamed down. God said land and the sea rolled back. God said night and the sky turned black. God said leaf and the shoot pushed through. God said fin and the first fish grew. God said beak and the big bird soared. God said fur and the jungle roared. God said skin and man breathed air. God said bone and the girl stood there. God said good and the world was great. God said, rest, and they all slept late. I love that last line. <laughs> That's our God. Isn't he wonderful? Yeah. And all creative poems and all insights like that come from our creator God. Because the creation he has made is good, and it's come because of what he has said, 
And it's full of potential. It's poetic, Genesis 1. It's dramatic. It's majestic and it's mysterious. Because it doesn't go into how. It encourages us to find out more about God's world. It encourages us to care for God's world. It reminds us that we're only stewards here. Nothing we have will last forever. Only what God does in us and through us will endure. These buildings will not last forever. These bodies will not last forever. But God has predicted and promised that one day this earth that has been so despoiled by man's sinfulness and greed will one day be renewed. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. What will it be like? I think it will be like this one, but only better. But it was always intended to be. Because none of us experience God's creation as it really should have been. We're so colored and so affected by our sinfulness and greed. There's a, a hymn I learned as a child uh, from Greenland's Icy Mountains. It's a missionary hymn. And it's got a line in it that says, as it looks out on the world, every prospect pleases and only man is vile. God wants to renew his creation. And there will one day be a new heaven and a new earth. But let's go back to Genesis 1. Three things that I want to share uh, from this passage. Behind the process of creation is a person. Our loving creator God. I've sometimes met atheists and discussed with them at length and talked with them about all the indicators that are there about this being God's world. And they say, oh, I, I don't believe in God. And I say, congratulations, you've got far more faith than me. How can you see a world so complex, so incredibly wonderful, and come to the conclusion there is no God? It takes more faith to do that than to really begin to look at our world and explore it and discover the riches of it and come up with the conclusion Someone made this. There's a mind at work here. And in fact, you know, the very possibility of science is based on the fact that the world that's been created has been the product of a mind. So that as scientists use their minds, they're working under that umbrella, if you like, that global umbrella of the mind of God being expressed that allows people to use their minds in creative ways. You notice as we were reading, it talks about the plants bearing seed, and it talks about the procreation of species, animals, birds, fish, and so on. And later, Genesis 1 is building and building. The climax comes next Sunday, I can assure you when we get to verses 26 and following. But God has placed within this creation all these possibilities. We procreate so generations, new generations are born. Seed-bearing trees scatter their seeds so new trees grow, new plants grow. We buy our packets of seeds and sow them 
and we grow lovely things. Why? Because the life is there in the seed already. It perpetuates. It goes on and on. There's creativity. There's opportunity for us to use and develop our creativity. The images that are up on the screen, the pictures that we draw, all of our own ingenuity, all of our learning, all of our expressiveness, all of that comes from our Creator God and from the creation of who we are. Behind the creation is a person. Behind the process is someone who loves our Creator God, our Father in the sense that He has created this whole earth and every one of us. Doesn't that bring us much more assurance than the idea that somehow all of this came about by accident? And if you, if you work out um, the, the possibilities for the accidental occurrences required to bring about this world, um, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. God spoke and it was done. Many years ago, I, I bought the books of Gordon Bailey. This one was published, I think, in 1970-something, before lots of you were born. But he's got some great poems in this that talk about creation and evolution. And you know, even Charles Darwin, the father of evolution, as he's so-called, at the end of his Origin of Species, he said that all of this is posited, first of all, on the Creator breathing out. And that was Charles Darwin who said that. One thing that gets me today about the theory of evolution is how it's taught and treated as fact. It's a theory. It's no more than that. If you want to engage with it, fine. But the more we find out about the world, the less reliable that theory becomes. And the more and more convinced I become that Genesis got it right. And behind the process is a person. So creation is personal. God has feelings when creation takes place. He sees that it's good and he's excited. And can you imagine the first time he makes an animal and sees that animal up on its hind legs or on all fours? Can you imagine the delight in seeing the great orcas in the deep? Wow, that's amazing. God must have said that it was good. And he constantly said, it's good, it's good, it's good. He's a person. And therefore we can relate to him as a person. The second statement is this. Creation bears his fingerprints and demonstrates his plan. Creation is not haphazard. There is a plan that works out as it goes through. And it's quite a wonderful plan as gradually things take place. The world takes shape as we know it. And we see wonders that baffle us even today. One of my favorite writers is C.S. Lewis. And in the first of the Chronicles of Narnia, the magician's nephew, Diggory and Polly, if you know the story, find themselves transported back in time together with 
uh, a cabbie from London, a cab horse driver, and a horse, and the wicked witch who is transported back in time with them. And they find themselves transported back to a world where Narnia is about to come into being. Let me read what C.S. Lewis says. In the darkness, something was happening at last. A voice had begun to sing. It was very far away, and Diggory found it hard to decide from what direction it was coming. Sometimes it seemed to come from all directions at once. Sometimes he almost thought it was coming out of the earth beneath them. Its lower notes were deep enough to be the voice of the earth itself. There were no words. There was hardly even a tune. But it was beyond comparison the most beautiful noise he had ever heard. It was so beautiful he could hardly bear it. Then two wonders happened at the same moment. One was that the voice was suddenly joined by other voices, more voices than you could possibly count. They were in harmony with it, but higher up the scale, cold, tingling, silvery voices. The second wonder was that the blackness overhead all at once was blazing with stars. They didn't come out gently one by one as they do in a summer evening. One moment there had been nothing but darkness. Next moment a thousand thousand points of light leaped out. Single stars, constellations and planets, brighter and bigger than any in our world. There were no clouds. The new stars and the new voices began at exactly the same time. If you had seen and heard it as Diggory did, you would have felt quite certain that it was the stars themselves which were singing. And it was the first voice, the deep one, which had made them appear and made them sing. Listen to these words in Job. When God speaks to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Do you know how its dimensions were determined and who did the surveying? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted? for joy. Isn't that wonderful? The morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy on the morning of creation as God's plan is put into action. And the third statement that follows on from that is that oops Could you press that for me, Ian, please? This, I think, has given up the battery. God alone has the power to implement. It's through God's Word that everything comes into being. It's through His purpose, His plan. But you can have a plan. If you don't have the power to bring it about, then the plan's not going anywhere. God not only has the plan but he has the power. 
Think about that for a moment and how terrible it would be if someone who is all-powerful was also evil, a tyrant. I went to a conference once uh, outside Aberdeen. It was called The Power of Love and the Love of Power. And it's distinguished between the two. And what you see in Genesis is not the love of power for its own sake, but the power of love that brings creation into being and hands it over, as we'll discover next week, to us to be stewards of God's creation. He has the power, but his power is power that is conditioned by love. God is love, says John. God is love. And what we see in Genesis 1 is the expression of that love and the power that goes with that love to bring all this into being. This is our God. This is your God, if you know him and trust him. And that's the, the invitation, really, that's there in Genesis 1. It's for us to go on and learn to know God. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 1. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky and all that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. When I was reading that passage and reading Genesis 1, I thought about the great story of the wise men, the Magi, who are fascinated by a star that they see in the heavens. And they're so moved by what they see that they set out on a journey, a long journey that brings them from the, the Far East to the Middle East. And they're convinced that a king has been born a king of the Jews. So they go to Jerusalem, the capital Jewish city, and they inquire there, where's the king who's born? And King Herod asks his wise men, where is the king to be born? He has other motives, of course, but he asks them. And they go to the scriptures. And as they read the scriptures, they discover it's Bethlehem that he's to be born. And so the wise men go on to Bethlehem. And it's there they meet the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Their search for God leads them to Jesus. And through Jesus, they come into contact with the living God. Three words beginning with S. They saw the star, they followed the scriptures, and they met the Savior. Creation is wonderful but it's not the doorway or the gateway to God. It will lead us, perhaps, on a journey. But we need the Word of God to help us to understand where that journey is taking us. And most of all, we need to meet the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God in human flesh. So if some of you this morning are on that journey, keep going. Keep going. Follow the star, if you like. But read what the Scriptures say and ask God 
to bring you to the Savior. And when that happens, something else takes place. New life is born within. It's like a new birth, Jesus said. And others picked that theme up and spoke about it as well. And suddenly, this world becomes a different place. I had a good friend, Drew, who was a missionary in France. He died some years ago. And he once said this, I never saw a sunset till I became a Christian. And then I really saw it and understood it. And here's a quote from an older hymn, Loved with Everlasting Love. Heaven above is softer blue. Earth around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue Christless eyes have never seen. Birds with gladder songs o'erflow, flowers with deeper beauty shine, since I know, as now I know, I am his, and he is mine. Shall we pray? Father, creator, redeemer, and savior, we worship you, our living God. How we pray that each one of us might be able to come and to know you in that deeply wonderful and personal way and to say of Jesus, I am his and he is mine. As we walk through this world, teach us constantly it's your world. And through the life that you give us, the new life you make available through your son Jesus, May we see this world as it really is and see it as one day it will become when there is a new heaven and new earth, when righteousness is at home, when justice is fulfilled, when Jesus has returned, when the dead have been raised, and when we experience something that we could hardly understand or imagine, this side of eternity. We thank you for Genesis. Thank you for Moses compiling these five books of the Old Testament. We thank you for your word. And we pray that your word would speak into our lives. And that your plan in us would be fulfilled for your eternal glory. Amen.